Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, this is a solo episode of the A-Game Podcast. Uh, we had finished with Mr. Matt Marinoff, who's a short sale expert. I am uh, in a hotel kind of trying to make uh, make a little setup here. So if it sounds a little off or not the normal quality, I apologize. I will do my best to speak clearly and work with the mic. But just had an interesting time in this conversation with Matt. So I wanted to do a recap on the process of short sales. But first and foremost, this episode is brought to you in part by Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links and click under the affiliates, you will see get 20% off of CBD products. Navy SEAL owned by Mr. William Branham, a Navy SEAL who is now out of Hawaii, has started this company. They have gear, they have shirts, they have topicals, they have gummies, they have drops, they have all kinds of different things for uh, greens and supplements. And they're just expanding every single month now. I'm seeing more and more stuff come on there. And CBD, if you're not taking it, you really need to be. To me, it's a miracle drug. I've said it a billion times. It's it's helped me and so many guys I know that are in MMA, that are in sports, that are in athletics, that have been beating up their body. Uh, contractors, people from wear and tear from jujitsu, taking it consistently. If you tried it in the past and you've not taken it consistently for 30, 60 days every day, you probably have not felt the effects on it, but it's done wonders for me. If you go on our site again, www.nicktonick.com slash links, and you click on that and you put in code name A-Game in the promo code, you will get 20% off anything you buy on that site by mentioning the A-Game podcast in the promo code. Go support it. Help your body. They will thank you for it. Your body will thank you for it. Good company, good product. And uh, what I see is something essential to you. So as we start to dig into this, um, there were so many different topics we could have talked about, and it, it it took an interesting turn because there was two sides of it that Matt Marinoff specializes in. So yes, you need a short sale expert to help with people that are going to be in trouble. Because again, when we talk about the difference between foreclosures and doing, doing foreclosures from the investor side, I've always told people when I do my, my, um, my classes or mentoring that when you're dealing with an REO or a bank owned property, hammer them, hammer them, hammer them, because it's all about the bottom line. It is strictly business. The banks don't care. They've never taken into consideration the needs of the people in there. They're only looking at serving their best interest. But when you're dealing with a short sale or a pre-foreclosure situation, it's all about people. And you always have to put the people first. And I was very relieved to hear that that was a lot of Matt's outlook too, was really taking care of people first and making sure that you're putting them in a good situation, that they understand their options. And you're not just in it to try and get their money but there is definitely things you need to know. And for somebody who's starting out new to real estate, or maybe you started investing after 2010 or 11, when the market really started coming back again, you might not have dealt with this a lot, but I was dealing with a lot of short sales and a lot of pre-foreclosures and REOs. And we were doing a lot of things like that. 
in the past because you would see adjustable rate mortgages that would now adjust now that people couldn't afford their payments. And I was not really sure where the market was going to go as far as short sales because there's a lot of people that are giving data out there that a lot of the things that caused the crash in the 2008 era, the adjustable rate mortgages haven't been written as much since then. People haven't pulled out traditionally as much equity and loans on the house to be upside down. And the market's been really strong. So values really haven't gone down. So people that bought their house a year ago, two years ago, three years ago, or anything longer, a lot of them, if you're in a position where, oh my goodness, I need money, something terrible happened, I lost my job, COVID happened, one of these things, you have equity in your house that you could sell it and then maybe go rent somewhere else, but you could sell it and make money on it. So traditionally, what you're looking at when you hear the term short sale, again, we talked about how it's misleading, but they're trying to short what is owed to the bank. So now let's say somebody like in the past did take out a home equity line. So they bought the home for $150,000. It was worth $215,000. Then all of a sudden now they took out another $50,000 line of credit to go do home repairs or reinvest that money. And the market started to drop a little bit. And now they lost their job or COVID hit. And now they haven't been able to make their mortgage payments for three, four or five months. And then all of a sudden they're in forbearance. Now, all of a sudden they need to cut a check for, you know, 20, $30,000 in HOA fees and mortgage payments that they haven't been able to make. They don't have that money. They need to be caught up on their payments. So you're going to have to pay that off. Now they're going to list it on the market. So they have to pay real estate fees. They have to pay whatever back fees and things like that. The lender's trying to collect who knows what other bills are piling up. They don't have the money, but if they sell the property because they don't have any equity in it, if somebody's going to buy it after paying out the commissions and the fees, because they had no equity in that property, they would still actually owe money that they don't have. So short sales become a good thing because now you have a couple of different variations of this. So let's say you have Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Mr. and Mrs. Smith go, we're going to recover. Matt, Matt talked about this. They're in denial. Oh, you know, I'm going to get off furlough. I'm going to get another job. Corona is going to be gone in a week and I'm going to get taken back or this other house is going to sell or Bitcoin's going to go up or whatever kind of crazy story that person's telling themselves of why they're not going to lose their house. Then all of a sudden auction day pops up. Okay. Your house is going to be auctioned off now on the 15th of October. And they go, Holy crap. Now I have to do something. So maybe they try and file bankruptcy. Who knows right now, with COVID and things being back up, if that even stops things or help things or how long it would even take to go through that paperwork. I don't know. Luckily, I'm not in that situation right now. But all of a sudden now, maybe I had come and I had put an offer on that house two months ago, three months ago. Hey, you know what? I'll give you $125,000 for that house. I'll give you $150,000 for that house. And I give them an offer one month, two months, three months, and they tell me, no, 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 no. Screw you, screw you, screw you, screw you, screw you. And all of a sudden they go, honey, we better go call back that little short guy that talks about jujitsu all the time because he's the only person who's shown any interest in the house. And if we get an accepted offer, it will freeze the auction date. And now we can start to go in and sell the property. So maybe they call me up and they say, congratulations, Nick. It's your lucky day. Offer accepted at $125,000 on this house. But they, as the seller, have accepted my offer. However, the bank has not accepted my offer yet. And maybe... They took that offer of $125,000, but that family owes $175,000 on that house to the bank still. So now I have what's called a seller-approved short sale, meaning the seller told me, yes, we approve this, but I still have to go and I have to get approval from the bank, who really is the important one. So the analogy I've given a bunch of times to people is, if I knock on a door 
I say, hey, and a little, little four-year-old kid answers the door, Timmy. And he goes, hi, mister, what can I help you with? And I go, hi, Timmy, I know that you owe $175,000 on your house, but I would like to make your day and give you $125,000 for your house right now. And Timmy goes, sure, mister, that sounds great. Okay, great, I have a seller-approved short sale. But Timmy still has to go ask mommy and daddy because they're really the ones who call the shots. Timmy doesn't really mean anything. He'll say anything because maybe I had a piece of candy or it was going to give him, I don't know, something. And he goes, well, I just want that. So I'm going to say yes, because I want to stop whatever pain this is right now, which is, in their case, the foreclosure date being set for the, for the, uh, for the auction date for the sale. So now in this case, the bank is mommy and daddy. The lender is mommy and daddy. So even though the homeowner is going, I'm going to say yes to Nate because I need to do whatever it takes to hopefully stop this property from being auctioned off. And now I'm in a terrible situation and now it's worse on my credit. And now maybe I have an actual foreclosure and now I can't go buy a home for 10 years and it's way worse on my credit and it's harder to recover from. There's all these different penalties and, and, and consequences of going through an actual foreclosure. We can maybe stop this. So now we have to go and we have to start the short sale process, meaning short the sale of what's owed. So the bank again is owed 175,000. We now have to go and try and convince the bank to short the 175,000 that's owed and take 125,000 for that instead, which in my experience has been the opposite of a short sale. It has taken 12 to 18, sometimes even longer months to get that done. And there's no guarantees it's even gonna happen at the end. As you might've heard me say with Matt Marinoff, I've had ones that have gone through for years. And then all of a sudden the last minute they go, well, let's just pull a bank statement again. Now they repull those files and they find out that that person took all the money out of their account, put it in the ants account for three or four months to get the short sale approved, thought it was done, put the money back in. Now they have too much money. Now the docs didn't line up. Matt had mentioned just putting the wrong number of people on the application that are living in the house can completely destroy the application. And now that's not approved because it's an incomplete or inaccurate information. There is a lot of paperwork. There's a lot of hoops to judge, judge through. Now, the person who's going through that, if you're unfortunately in that situation, it's not the end of the world for you either, because now what you have to do is you have to work with loss mitigation. And there's loss mitigation packages and there's a short sale package that has to be actually done. So again, I'm just speaking on my experience with this. Matt has way more experience. There's other things that might have changed since I have recently, uh, not so recently done this because it hasn't been a strategy that's been so lucrative in the past um, few years, but again, it's popping back because of what's happening. Because again, if people have equity in their home, there's not as much a need for short sales. They can sell them, they can refinance them, they can hold them as rental. It's easier to get loans. There's just a lot of different things that go into it. But again, now we're hitting an interesting time. Values are high. Lenders are a little bit pickier. There's not as much equity. Maybe property values are dropping. People are behind three, four, five months in their mortgage. They need to get out, but they don't have the equity to catch up on the stuff that they're behind on. Plus pay back the bank for whatever fees they're acquiring. Plus catch up on whatever bills they're missing. Plus pay the real estate commissions for listing that property. There's different things that are popping up. So now we have to work with them and say, okay, well, maybe we hire a short sale negotiator to handle the situation and they know all the rules and the regulations and the legalities and the ethical things that they need to do to get things filled out the correct way to get the short sale approved, to speak to the lenders the correct way, to have them on board with making sure that they understand the pros of why they should accept that short sale, why they should go through that process, why it's actually a benefit to them, not a detriment to them, to take that now, take that hit because now who knows what's happening after the election, market values are going down, whatever storm's coming down the road, they can stop that now. So. 
it is about painting that picture and having those relationships and also having a good person that that bank knows, okay, you know what, maybe we've dealt with a Matt Marinoff before. Maybe we've dealt with a Nick Lamagna before and we know that he's closed these sales. So we can go back and we can say to the asset manager, we have somebody that will actually get this done. This is just not somebody tying this property up under contract. So now they go through that process and they have to get to it. So a lot of the times they're backed up. Sometimes I've heard of it taking years and years and years for these banks to come and actually start their foreclosure process and even set that sale date. So who knows how behind that mortgage actually is. A lot of fees start to rack up. So now we have to start to negotiate that down. So they're going to ask for things like hardship letters from you if you're in that position. So you have to write to them, why am I in this position? I lost my job because of COVID, because of health, because of the economy, because of whatever the situation may be. They have to see the hardship letter. They have to see financial statements showing that you're not capable of making those payments or sustaining those payments or doing those repairs or catching up on those bills or whatever it may be. They have to see uh, statements. They're going to have to, there's going to be liability paperwork that has to get filled out. There's a lot of things that go into this loss mitigation and short sale package that has to get submitted. And a lot of the times, again, the lenders are going to require different things depending on which bank it is. I had that with Bank of America. They were a royal freaking pain in my ass when we were doing this. Um, they've been one of the harder ones to work with in my experience. But again, different situations, different files, different states, different guidelines. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. So you have to make sure there's a reason for doing it, that it's going to help everybody involved. That obviously has to be lucrative for you as the investor, but you also want to make sure, again, you're, you're doing the service and taking care of that person. So now they're getting somebody to help them through that process. So why would they do that? Again, one, because maybe they can't catch up on the, on the money that's there and they can't sell their home and make enough money to pay, at least pay off and even be even for the debts that they, they're, they're owed now behind on the mortgage and the HOA and the fees and the realtor fees and the commissions. And now they have to go rent somewhere. Maybe they moved out, they moved back in with their parents. So if they're looking at it as my property is going to be gone more regular, I can't save this. I can't salvage this anymore at this point. So usually when we're doing these, you don't want to be able to save that property and let them stay in that home. A lot of the times they're not allowed to make money on that. Or like Matt said, even if they take a loss in that situation where we talked about the 125,000 to the um, 175,000, they might get hit with a deficiency judgment on that. And now they have to pay the taxes as income on that $50,000. So a lot of those things are negotiable. And the short sales that I've done, we got it written off from the lender that they were not going to go after the prior owner of that house for a deficiency judgment. It was going to be a write-off. So that was a service that we provided as another thing of, hey, work with us. This is something we can get done for you. You won't be on the hook for that $50,000 as income. We're actually going to get that wiped out. So you'd be totally fine. So now we can get you the short sale approved. We'll work with you to get that done. So that helps you because you're not on the hook for that money, for that deficiency judgment or any of these things. And we can get this done. So saving you money, saving you time, but also a short sale or a cash for keys or a deed in lieu of foreclosure or one of these strategies that stops it before it gets so bad that it gets auctioned off or becomes an actual foreclosure or bankruptcy is a lot better to recover from. So I've heard, again, this is all going to be, you know, verifiable things change, markets change, but it was two years after a short sale, it was very easy to recover and you could go and get another mortgage again and you would have shown enough time and been cleaned up enough that you could go back now and get back in the home homeowner's market with a conventional loan or some sort of FHA loan after those two years, as long as the house still hit a lot of, again, there's guidelines with things like FHA and conventional loans, not conventional, but FHA that has to be within a certain price point, different areas. There's 
there's income, they have to be fixed up to a certain way, but let's say you hit all those things. Two years goes by like that. You catch up on, on some payments, you, you rent for two years, you move in with family or friends for two years, something like that. You get your credit, credit cleaned up, you show some history, now you can go right back out and potentially become a homeowner against you're not wasting money on rent. Whereas if it went to a bankruptcy, if it went to a, an actual foreclosure, you might've been in the position that it might take you five, six, seven, 10 years to be able to go back. And again, you're seeing it. We had been in a, in a time where it was very easy to get lending, but now that we're switching things around again and you're starting to see we're getting around election, lenders getting scared with COVID, it is the wild west where people are just not lending. And, and yes, interest rates are low. Everybody's talking about how low interest rates are. Great, that's awesome. But they've made it a lot harder to get those loans. So if you're going now and saying, hey, I got to get rid of this house, but that's all right, I'll just go buy another one. If you don't have stellar credit, good history, no foreclosures, no short sales, any of those things for years and years and years, it's, it's going to be tough. And, and that's what we started seeing when the, the market tanked last time, is that's why people would do that. And again, you sell off your properties, but when the market crashed and it was down, if you didn't have absolutely perfect credit and everything was looking good on your books and you had your reserves and you could show a history of income and a track record for two years of employment verification, you could only go full VOC. Otherwise, you were out of the game unless you knew how to do things like we mentioned, getting things like private money. And again, there's other ways around it, but from the homeowner side of it, they don't want to look at it as I'll never own a home again. I'm going to have to waste money. I rent forever. Maybe I just spent the last five, 10, 15 years building up equity in this home. And now I over leveraged. I made some, some silly mistakes, some bad decisions, market turned, a series of unfortunate events. Like we said, bad things happen to good people all the time. So now you're taking them through this situation. And again, it's creating a deal for you because now maybe you're getting this property at 125. You put some repairs and you fix it up. And the ARV on that property might be 250, 275, 280. So you're doing it for a reason. You're not just taking that property, or again, maybe it's even worth 175. You can get the short sale, pick it up at 125, help these people out of a bad situation, get this all cleared up for them. And now you hold it and you can rent it out at $1,500 a month because a lot of the time it's an inverse relationship. When lending is down, people still need a place to go. So loans tend to go up. If you've been listening to this podcast, especially lately, I've had guys like Pace Morby. I had uh, Marlon and, and a lot of these guys coming on. Marlon Suarez, uh, Henzo Gracie Blackbelt. A lot of people are coming on saying that what took them through the recession was their cash flow. So even when the equity technically goes down and people can't buy, there's always a way to make money. There's always a yin yang. And that's when, okay, maybe these people that can't get these loans, they'll pay a premium for you to rent their house because they still need a place to live. They don't want to share a, uh, a house in the basement with their parents. There's, there's different reasons, different things. They want to stay in the same neighborhood, same school district, stay close to work, all kinds of different things here. So we go through this process and now we have to convince the lender to accept it. Now, once the lender says yes, now it becomes a third party or a bank approved short sale. Now we have a deal. So a couple of uh, things here that I picked up over the years is one, when you're putting these offers out, so normally it, it's, if it's a foreclosure or just a normal deal, I put my offer out. I say, Hey, I'm willing to give you, let's say a thousand dollars. Sometimes I've given more, you know, commercial deals, or if it's a really sweet deal, I want to tie up. I'll give them $5,000, $10,000 of an earnest money deposit, which means that that money goes up and it's tied up during my due diligence period. So now maybe I have seven, 10, 14 days to go and do my due diligence on that property. And if I decide that my numbers don't check out, my rehab doesn't check out, my ARV doesn't check out, my rentals don't check out, I don't think the deal is going to go through my financing folks, whatever it is, 
I can get that earnest money deposit refunded back to me within that due diligence period, but it is tied up during this time. So if I'm now going to go and do a seller approved short sale and the seller says, yes, I will take your deal. I'm going to put some, some fine tuning onto that contract. And I'm going to do things like, look, yes, I will give you $2,000, but because I don't know if your lender, your mommy and daddy in this case, case in this situation are going to approve that short sale at all. And if they do, it could take 12, 18, 19, 20 months to do. I'm not letting you tie up two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars of my capital that I can use for other deals. I can leverage for other investments. So I'll do things like, hey, upon accepted offer with the seller, which is when you're going to say yes as you sell in the home, I'll give you 200 bucks. As soon as the bank says yes, now, whether that's eight days, eight months, 18 months later, I'll give you the other, whatever number I said, I'll give you the other $1,800, $2,200. I'll give you the difference then. And once that happens, now my due diligence starts. So we'll drag it out that, hey, you get 200 bucks until the bank says yes. Once the bank says yes, now our actual 14-day inspection kicks in because I also want to make sure that I have a due diligence based on when the bank says yes, because that's usually now when you'll have two to four weeks to actually close the property. So let's play that situation out. Let's say I get a deal and, and Marlon Suarez goes, hey, Nick, found this sick deal right now. And I look at it and I go, man, this looks great. Look at the rents, look at the condition, look at the ARV, look at the neighborhood. Slam dunk, man, let's do it. Tie it up under contract with the seller. 18 months later, who knows what type of market I'm in? Let's say I did this 18 months ago. And now today I have to look at it. The world is a completely different place than it was 18 months ago. I'm going to have to now look at it. That's why I want this refundable because even though they might've accepted my deal that I offered on 12 to 18 months ago, the deal is not the same deal. What if that family all had to move back in? Maybe they had their in-laws and their kids and their cousins and their kids' friends that all lost their jobs because of COVID. All of them moved into the house and now it's been like a frat house there for the last six months and they've trashed the place and there's holes in the walls and graffiti and, and carpet stains and dog pee and crap all over the house. So now I thought it was going to need 20,000 to fix up. Now it needs 60,000 to fix up. Or maybe that market completely tanked because whatever the main driving economic factor in that city was, is gone. They closed up. So now it's become blighted and the stress and there's vacant homes all over the place or days on market is crazy and the values are coming down. Or maybe rental values went to crap. People couldn't afford to rent there. You're in a market like San Francisco. It's $6,500 to rent the 2,000 square foot home. Nobody's around. They moved into the suburbs. Maybe it was in the city. We're seeing this. People are leaving Manhattan. They're leaving Chicago. They're going to suburbs. Or maybe it's a better deal. Maybe it's an even better deal than I thought it was, but I need to know those things. So that way, when I do my due diligence, 18 months later, when the bank says yes, now I can go and I can look at those factors and renegotiate if I need to. But I found it's a little bit harder for me on that side. So what I've done in the past is I have hired a short sale negotiator. Now we didn't get to talk about fees, but what I've done in the past is I've made the real estate commission guys take care of that. They've said, Hey Nick, you know what? It's going to be $2,500 to hire a short sale negotiator on this deal. And I go, great. Sounds like a good fee for you. And I've actually had it passed off. And some of the time I obviously don't even remember who wound up paying it, but I know it wasn't me, but it got done and it got taken care of. Somebody got the deal done and got paid for it. And it got written off as a, as a fee for somebody else that I didn't have to do it. But I mean, in reality, if I'm going to make 20, 30, 40, $50,000 on a house and I have to pay a $2,500 fee to get that done, it's just going to be math for me. I'm just going to say, is it worth doing? And now I know that if I'm dealing with the short sale, maybe I'm going to factor in that $2,500, which again, area by area, case by case, it could be more, it could be less. 
you know, do your research on that, but it's like any other cost. You find that that one city has a higher transfer tax or lower real estate commissions or whatever, you start to adjust your offer. So now maybe all the offers we're doing in that area that we turn, turn out to be short sales, which you'll see if you're trying to find out how to find them. Yeah, there's ways we can pull lists on people that are behind on their mortgage. You can pull pre-foreclosure lists. There's also times that they list them with realtors because they don't know what else to do. So I have had realtors contact me and say, this is a short sale. Here's what we think you can possibly get it for. And I tie it up when we go to work. And what I do with these is if you're looking to, to market for leads or for deals or for sellers, I don't tell people don't go look for short sales. But what I do tell them is don't only go look for short sales, because if your entire business model is only doing short sales and Again, that term short sale is anything but short. It sometimes takes months and years. Sometimes they don't even go through after all that time. I think of them as seeds. You're just going to plant seeds along and say, you know what? I'm also going to go after REOs. I'm also going to go seller direct. I'm going to find absentee owners. I'm going to find distressed sellers. I'm going to find distressed properties. I'm going to do probate. I'm going to do divorces. I'm going to do all these different things. And I'm also going to do pre-foreclosures and short sales. Now, as two, three, four months go by, hey, Nick, this this inbound lead came through, this absentee owner came through, this foreclosure came through. Hey, you know what? It's been eight months. We actually just got a bank approval on that offer you put out eight months ago on that short sale. Congratulations. So I think of them as seeds that I put them in there. So when they pop up among my other deals that I'm marketing to, great day for me, sounds awesome, but I don't rely on them only there because those might never come in or if they do, I might not get a paycheck, close a deal, for months and months and months and months and months. So, you know, you have some of your, your, your quicker deals that are coming through and some of the other sides, and then you have your, your short sales that are going through. So there's a couple of different things there. So again, on the buyer, on the seller side, if you are in a position where you're starting to fall behind in your payments, there's options for you and there's benefits for you for doing things like loan modifications, where they might come and restructure the way that loan is and forgive some things or change the interest rates to make it more affordable for you. Or like Matt talk, talk about deferred payments. There's options for you. There's cash for keys. Sometimes we talked about subject two. That's another thing there. But in this specific situation, we're going after something like a short sale. So that's an option that you can talk to somebody like a Matt or reach out to an investor or somebody like me. And we can start to figure out what can we even offer for this house? Because a lot of the times the lenders will just, they won't work with the owner. So the owner can't negotiate the short sale on their own behalf. In my experience, they have to have a third party come in. So as soon as we start to do that, now they can do things like sign limit of power of attorneys, giving permission for either the short sale negotiator or the investor or the buyer to come and now go on their behalf and negotiate and get that information, which they weren't able to do before. So we come in and we're able to save the day and play a role that the homeowner partially was not prior to that. So again, we're coming in and we're trying to make things work. All right, so I'm trying to uh, think of a couple other things we're talking about now. You can also get listings. You'll know when you're looking at stuff. If you're dealing with a real estate agent, it'll say the type of sale it is. So it'll say SS, short sale. It'll say things like short pay. Sometimes you'll see um, conventional sale. You'll see uh, REO. You'll see bank owned, corporate owned. These are all versions of distressed sales for the most part. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an off-market deal. It definitely can be. You'll probably have a little bit more luck. Sometimes, again, agents tend to complicate things, but I've absolutely done short sales with agents involved. So don't think that you can't do those, but this becomes a really great strategy that again, I think more and more as we're starting to come across and the election gets over and now they start to let foreclosures come again and the forbearances aren't as easily forgiven evictions and foreclosures are going to be a big thing. So if you can come in 
and stop those foreclosures and get them in that pre-foreclosure stage. So generally properties are not, you're not really getting a foreclosed property or buying a foreclosure. It's either a pre or post foreclosure. So either they haven't foreclosed on it yet. So they're in these initial stages, which they're missed a few payments, which I think is really interesting that Matt talked about how they don't have to be behind in payments for a short sale. It's a misconception, but that's usually the first thing that they get the advice of is, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm having trouble. Can you guys work with me on a loan modification or can you work with us on a short sale? And then some loan officer says, stop making your payments. Once you're behind then we'll pay attention to you and we can help you. And if there's a way to avoid that, you definitely want to because now you've already hit your credit. You've already started that, that process that once they've missed one month, two months, three months, what happens is a notice of default or a list pendants gets filed. It's public knowledge. So it's, it's public information. These are lists you can pull that will tell you Mr. and Mrs. Smith are one, two, three months behind on their mortgage right now, which means they're in some sort of distress position there and they have some sort of pain. You can now contact that person directly and try to negotiate some sort of deal there of like, Hey, I see you're, you've missed three months of payment. Something's going on. What's going on? How can we help you? What if we catch you up? Do you have another place to go? What's the equity looking like? Are you interested in subject two? Maybe we can work out a short sale if there's no equity there. Maybe this doesn't work as a rental. And this is one, again, it's just tools in your tool belt. The more tools you can have in your tool belt, the more ways you're going to be able to have solutions for your clients. And if you have sellers that need you to be creative and you can offer more tools, you have a better shot of coming up with solution and having them want to work with you. You get the deal versus going to your competition or somebody else, because don't kid yourself. There's other people pulling that information. You're getting other letters, other text messages, other phone calls, agents are listening out, reaching out, investors are reaching out. So how do you separate yourself from the crowd? You do it by educating yourself and surrounding yourself with people that you know can get things done the proper way, the legal way, the ethical way, like a Matt Marinoff or a Dan Zatofsky or contacting somebody like me that can get these things done. So again, a, a bit of a, an overview here, but I did just want to have you understand a little bit of the nuts and bolts of what happens that they, they get these notices in the mail. Now mail starting to pile up. They're getting late notices. They're, things are not good. You're not in a short sale situation and missing payments because everything's great. And a lot of times, again, they're in denial and all of a sudden the auction date comes and they go, hey, it's been six months. Next month, your house is getting auctioned off and they go, crap, we got to do something. And then they start to call somebody. So when I've had these come into uh, to my plate, it's usually the fact that they've already reached out to agents and maybe the agent hasn't actually done what they said they were going to do. They listed the property too high or gave them a false expectation of how fast or how much it was going to sell. And now they're looking for somebody else to kind of bail them out as a second go-to. So their natural reaction is usually to reach out to the lender or reach out to an agent, which like Matt was talking about, a lot of them will give you bad advice, not all of them. So I don't want anybody getting offended. There's good agents out there. There's good lenders out there. There's people that do have good information but I come across a lot of people that have been giving bad information, unverified information, stop making your payments, just list your house. You can get more for it than you think. And it doesn't help, but people that are in a, uh, a distressed situation, sometimes they get desperate and they will listen to information because they hope that it's correct. So what we're doing in this situation is you don't want to give them hope. You want to give them some solutions. Short sales are another solution to help avoid the worst case scenario of a foreclosure and give them offers to help them get back on their feet. Maybe hook them up with the Merrill Chandler to get them back on a credit repair program. Then maybe you can put them on a lease option and get them back into another house. There's a lot of really cool ways we can make this full circle and have it come back together. I hope that that was somewhat helpful for giving you an overview of what we just talked about with Matt Marinoff this week on the A-Game podcast. 
and explaining short sales, some of the processes on the this side of the seller who's maybe in a distressed situation, if that unfortunately might be you over the next couple of months with everything that's going on, you understanding that side of it of why you might want to do it or people you can reach out to that can help you or on the investor side, how it can help you have another tool in your tool belt to pick up more profitable deals and have a, a higher success rate of getting clients to say yes to you as the sellers so you can buy more properties, make more money, help more people and really make a difference. So this has been the A-Game Podcast discussing short sales after talking to Matt Meredith this week. Um, check out his boot camp. You guys can do the same. Uh, if you have any questions, find me on social media at Nick Lamagna Invest. Go to www.nicknicknick.com slash links to see all the ways you can subscribe to this podcast, watch YouTube videos, uh, see free content we're putting out all the time. If you're interested in investing, you want to learn how to buy short sales, you want to invest with us on properties, you're interested in partnering, you want to buy some cash flow, you want us to find you some multi-units, I can wholesale you some deals. There's a lot of ways we can start to get you in the game. Whether you're new, whether you're experienced, you're looking to scale up, you're looking to get started, contact me, www.nicknicknick.com. Reach out to me on social media. Let's find a way to start you investing. Let's end 2020 strong. Let's start off 21, 2021. Uh, with some money in your pocket and some deals under your belt and get things going. Check out the affiliates for William Branham for the Naked Warrior Recovery Group. Take jujitsu. If you're in Chicago, go to BJJ Lab Naperville. If you're on Long Island, you absolutely need to check out Sarah Jiu-Jitsu. It's got a school in Huntington with Matt Sarah or in Garden City. You want to take some kickboxing, go check out Ray Longo and Chris Wyman's gym, Law MMA. And of course, if you're looking to take drum lessons, get a free online virtual drum lesson with my brother, Danny Lamagna, who's an absolute stud on the drums. I'm going to be getting him on this podcast soon before he goes on tour. Tip your waitresses, be good people, and uh, keep it positive. I hope everybody's doing good. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Love you, mom. Bye. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real McKenzie's, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world and he is also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. He can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word drummer, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833-632-0585 for your free online drum lesson.